Okay, kids, come on up. You want to come and sit right here on the front pew? That would be cool. I wanted to show you guys something that is really fun for me. Do you see something on my shirt? Yes. What is on my shirt? Oh, black. It's black. What is it? Do you know? Belt. It's a belt? Well, my belt is black. But look up here. What is this right here? Isn't that cool? Let me show you. It's got this magnet has this magnet that goes on the back. And so I can put it onto my clothes and it stays. That's really, I love it. Well, this is something else that I wanted to show you guys. Watch this. Do you know what this does? What does it do? It sticks to my shirt, but why would I want to have this black thing stuck to my shirt all the time? Let me show you. Listen, listen. I'm going to turn it on. Knox Gear 39G activated. Battery good. Connected. It said Knox Gear 39G activated. Battery good. Connected. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know? Oh, well, let me show you what that means. It means that this black thing has connected to my iPad. And watch what happens when I press that triangle on my iPad. Every time I try this to is make one of you my favorite songs in the whole world. It's called There Was Jesus. Every time I try and I to stay stuck to and so and all those speaker attached to my shirt, and then it connects to my iPad or there my phone, and it'll play songs throughout the day, and it doesn't matter where I go, I can walk all over the, the place, and I can always have my music with me. I love it. And so when I'm done, if I don't want to listen to it anymore, all I have to do is just do that. And you know what's else cool? If somebody calls me, no, nobody call me. But if somebody calls me, it'll actually let me talk on the telephone to them if the speaker is connected to my uh, phone. Now, the thing is, it's connected to my shirt by this magnet. But when it has to be, you heard that it said Knox Gear, Knox Gear 39G, battery good connected, right? Well, sometimes it'll say battery medium. That means that the battery's getting low. Sometimes it says battery low. And that's not good. So then I have to turn it off. Power off. Power off. And then I pull out my charging cable. And I have to connect it to the bottom here. Connect it to the bottom here. And then I plug it in. Well, this is a really short charging cable. So what I have is I have on a table in my room a little extension cord that plugs to the wall. And then I just set my Knox gear like that. And then I go do stuff. I love having my Knox gear speaker on my shirt all the time. You'll see me anywhere I go. I usually have my Knox gear on. 
But sometimes I can't have a speaker because I'm going to a meeting or someplace that it wouldn't be good to have my speaker. So then I just put it over here someplace. Or sometimes it's not charging and I just set it down over here. And then I go, oh, I want to play my music. Where does, where's my Knox gear? Where's my Knox gear? I can't, I can't find my Knox gear. Oh my goodness, I can't find it. And that happened to me yesterday. I know. But the problem was, what happened to me yesterday? I had my Knox gear plugged into the power. Well, what happened was, there we go. It had fallen down behind the table. So I came in to look for it and it wasn't where I always put it. And then I went out into the living room and I couldn't find it. And then I went into my car. I couldn't find it. I was very upset because I wanted to have it. And so I prayed, Jesus, please, please help me to find it. I don't want to lose this. This is very important to me. And you know what the Holy Spirit said? Well, go look at the table where you plug it in. I'm like, I already looked. It wasn't there. Go look at the table where you plugged it in. Okay. Oh, it was behind the table. Ah, silly goose. So I then had my speaker again so that I could turn it on. Knox gear 39G activated. Battery good. Connected. And it's connected and I can play my music. Yay. I can play my music. Sometimes it doesn't work. There it is. Okay. So that is so cool. But you see, sometimes when you lose something that's important to you, you can get upset. Well, you know, Jesus told a story in the Bible. Actually, he told three stories in the Bible about things, about things that got lost. And somebody was upset about those things getting lost. And so in the book of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about a man who lost one of his sheep. Then he tells a story about a lady who lost one of her coins. Then he tells a story about a father who lost one of his sons. Oh, that's not good. And each time when they found the sheep or the coin or the son came home, there was a huge celebration, a huge party. Everyone was so happy that they found what was lost. And Jesus said when he told those stories... When someone who doesn't know God or someone who's in rebellion against God and sinning recognizes that they are sinning and asks God to forgive them of their sins and comes back into right relationship with God, he says all of the angels in heaven have a huge party. Can you imagine all the angels in heaven having a party because you asked God to forgive you for your sin? That would be so cool. You, they, maybe they have beautiful unicorn decorations in heaven. That would be so cool. And I but, even love unicorns. I love unicorns too. But they have a party in heaven every single time someone who was lost, someone who was a sinner, becomes a Christian. And that's what Jesus wants us to remember. He wants all of us to love God. He wants all of us to be uh, in right relationship with God and to not sin. And when you come to God... They throw a huge party in heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven to see those parties. They must be amazing.
So I want to pray with you guys right now, okay? Jesus, I ask that you bless these kids. And I ask you help them to understand how exciting it is to come into right relationship, to have their sins forgiven, to have you as their father. And I pray, Father God, that each one of them would experience that. And I pray that they would experience the joy of not being lost anymore, but being found. And a sense of how much it excites you and all of the angels in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can go back to your teacher now. And there's a you can go to your classroom. And I'm going to go. Yeah, I lost you did? Yeah, I lost something that I will never find. My, my Oh no, you haven't found it yet? Yeah. Well, let's, let's pray and ask if may, maybe God could help you find it, okay? okay? Jesus, her favorite Cinderella doll is lost. And Jesus, we know that you care about even the tiniest little things in our lives. And you told us to ask you. And so we're asking you, please help her find her Cinderella doll. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hopefully you will find it soon. I know you're going to find it because we prayed. But hopefully it'll be soon. Put the pastor on the spot. <laughs> it's, you know, God can do anything. He told me where to find my Knox Gear 39G. He can tell her where to find her Cinderella. Praise the Lord. Um... The stories that I just related to the children and that I'm relating to you guys. Um, all of those, if you go back to Luke chapter 15 and read the very first part of it. It says in Luke chapter 15, the very first two verses. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus, in response to the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes, tells three stories. Now, whenever Jesus told stories, it's very possible that he was actually relating a real event. I mean, it's very possible that he knew some shepherd who'd lost sheep, who'd lost a sheep and went out to find him. It's very possible that he knew a woman who had 10 coins and lost one and searched the entire house until she found it and then threw a party afterwards. I mean, it's very possible that he knew a man who had two sons and one went into rebellion after against him and left and then came back. It's very possible that those were real stories. We don't know. Jesus never told us and the Bible doesn't tell us. It simply says Jesus told these stories, but they are powerful stories. And there's powerful lessons in these stories. And if there's any one lesson, if you see a theme in all of it, it's when the lost thing is found, it brings joy to God and all of the inhabitants of heaven. And if you look at the end of the story of the sheep, you will see in verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who didn't need to repent. Well, wait a minute. 
I'm not so sure I like that God. You mean the sinner gets more celebration than me? Who has served you faithfully for lo these many years? What's up with that? And then Jesus kind of looked, would look at you and go, hmm? Let me tell you a story about a man and his two boys. And so I want to look a little bit at the story of the man and his two boys. Not a lot. We're not, it's, you're familiar with it. We don't have to read it. Elsie read it. So I was going to read it, but Elsie read it. So we don't have to do that this morning. There's this guy. He's got two guys. They're two sons. They're all old enough to be on their own if they needed to be. They're still living at home and we don't fully understand this culture, but the culture is that the father is over the household. The two boys are working for the father. And in that culture, um, it's totally offensive, fr- disgusting, abhorrent for a child to look at the father and say, I wish you were dead so I could have the money now. Which is pretty much the same today. But it's an incredible affront back then. I mean, we might get offended and we might get angry that somebody would have the nerve to say that to their father. But it was it was repulsive in that culture to even think about saying something like that to your parent. But that's exactly what this young kid did in the story that Jesus told. And the father, regardless of how he felt, honored the request of the child. And divided up the household, calculated at that moment what was the value of the property and the estate, and gave the younger son one-third of it. Now, why would he not do it in half? Well, their culture was that the eldest child, the eldest son, would always receive a double portion of the estate once it was divided because it was the eldest child's responsibility to care for the parents until the parents were dead. So always the oldest gets a double portion of the estate. So if there had been 10 children, they would have divided it by 11. Everyone would have gotten their equal share, but the oldest would have gotten two shares. There were only two kids, so they divided it into thirds The youngest gets one-third, the oldest gets two-thirds. Okay, so that's the story. Now, as Jesus is telling this story, he's embellishing it. He says this kid is vicious and mean and says, "You, I wish you were dead, I just want the money. And then he takes the money and he goes and lives incredibly raucous body life. Partying. The word says he's with prostitutes. He's just blowing the money. He's got crowds around him. And then all of a sudden the money goes away and a famine comes and the young man finds that he is destitute with no support and all of his friends disappear like cockroaches when the lights come on. And he finds himself in a situation where he has absolutely no way to care for himself. And so he literally says he, he aligns himself with a pig farmer in that culture. Not only was his actions abhorrent, but now his lifestyle is abhorrent. And on top of that, he is living with pigs and he's eating the food that the pigs eat. 
He has reached the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. When you scrape the bottom of the barrel, then you have to go further down to get him. That's how garbage he was in the eyes of the people hearing this story that Jesus was telling. So they're sitting there going, disgusting, I can't believe it. And then Jesus turns the story around and says, this young man, and if you read the word, it says, He came to his senses. And I would say to you, in Jesus' story, he's talking about a spiritual coming to your senses, recognizing how you have offended the Father, and come back to the Father with your hat in hand saying, I am sorry, For my actions, I am sorry for the harm I have caused you. I recognize I have absolutely no right to come before you, even even speak to you. But I'm pleading with you. Don't take me in as anything other than a servant, but I can't live without your help. Those are the words that Jesus put in the mouth of this young man. And the father... Totally out of any character that these scribes and Pharisees would expect, completely falls for it. But he's not duped. Because it says, in his gut. Okay, that's what it literally says here in the scriptures. From his guts, he feels this depth of emotion. Now, in our culture, we would say he felt it in, in, the, in the depths of his heart. In their culture, all emotion came from the gut. And so that's what this says. Literally, from the gut, with compassion, he is moved to reach out to his son. And he literally humbles himself and embarrasses himself and runs out to his son. Again, all of this going against anything that their culture would have done. And the son is then welcomed. He's got his speech prepared. He's trying to pray to say to his father, I'm so sorry for having offended you. Please forgive me. And please, I know I'm not a son anymore, but I could just be a servant in your house. I just need somebody to take care of me so I cannot die. And the father's having none of it. Not only does the father wrap him up in his arms, but the father calls the servants and says, bring him my own robe and put it on my son and put the family signet ring on my son's hands and put shoes on him because only members of the household would have had shoes servants going barefoot and this man was brought into the home and on top of that the father says throw a party and bring everyone in the town because we are celebrating my son was lost he is now found hallelujah can you imagine the son the youngest son's response to all of that And then he joins in the party. Can you imagine what the scribes and Pharisees were thinking as Jesus was telling that story? That's ridiculous. That would never happen in my house. I would never, ever welcome that man back into my life. And then Jesus continues the story. And he says, the other son, the one who had the two-thirds inheritance, the one who had never left, the one who had been faithful, the one who had served his father all of those years, 
who's out working right now in the field, comes in and sees all that's going on and says, excuse my my French, I'm going to be nice about it, but what the heck? What the is this? My, his son, did you hear that? He wouldn't even say my brother. He looks at his father and says, you do all of this for this son of yours? He doesn't say my brother. He has disowned him. He wants nothing to do with him. He is the lowest of the lows. He is scum underneath the to- underneath his shoes, shoes, the soles of his shoes. And the father says, the end of chapter 15, son, the father calling the eldest, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. It was fitting that we should celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and he is alive. He was lost and he is found. Hallelujah. Now, again, this is a story. We don't know if this was a true thing. We don't know if this is real people, but let's pretend that they were. Let's pretend that this was actually a family that Jesus knew and he was sharing their story. So if this was really a real father, and we're not told that there's a mother in the picture, but maybe there is. And there's two young adult sons, one who stayed and one who left, one who lived faithfully with the family and one who took his inheritance and blew it, living raucously. And then finally, when he hit rock bottom, came back crawling to his father, begging for just something to eat and a place to sleep. And the father welcomes him back in as a full member of the house. And throws a huge party. And the son enjoys the party, not the oldest one. Because we're never told in Jesus' story whether or not the eldest son ever comes into the house. But it's now the next morning. And the servants have laid the breakfast on the table. And the father has sat at the table. And the eldest son has sat at the table. And the youngest son comes bleary-eyed after having a great party and sits down at the table. What happens? What words are spoken? What is the temperature emotionally in that space? Can you imagine you could cut the tension with a knife Because while the party was going on, it was very easy for the offended brother to just be on the periphery if he came into the house at all. But now he has to sit across the table from the one who offended not just him, but my father. The one who disrespected my father, our family. The one who brought shame on us. By the way, he lived his life. And he's welcomed back at our table. And the dutiful son cannot challenge the father's will. I have to accept my father's will, whether I agree with it or not. 
This is still my father's house. Someday it will be mine. He assured me of that last night. All of this is mine because that son of his took what was his already. This is mine. But it's not legally mine yet. And I have to honor what my father is willing to do with his property and his hospitality and Now, imagine the young son sitting across from this hostile older brother who has already made his amends with his father and was well received. But imagine the son looking over at his older brother and not even knowing where to start. Because I... I don't even know what to say. I I don't even know how to. And the older brother's like, don't even. Don't even. We are not going there. Now, I'm making all of this up. I mean, I have no idea because we don't even know if these were real people. But it makes sense, doesn't it? See, in real life, You have to deal with stuff. But if you are called to be a Christian, which if you're here, I would expect that all of you consider yourselves to be Christians. Otherwise, why would you get up early on a Sunday morning? If you're called to be a Christian, one of the things that that means is that you are called to be Christ-like. That's what Christian means, little Christ. What does Christ do? Christ welcomes the sinners and the tax collectors, the scum under the, uh, under everyone's toes. Christ loves them unconditionally. Christ welcomes them when they come with their hat in hand and says, I am sorry. Jesus said to the crowd, especially the, the Pharisees and the scribes, do like the father in the story. Don't be the oldest son, because that's what you are right now. Be like the father who loves unconditionally. Yes, he was hurt. Yes, he was offended. Yes, he has every right to say no. But he was filled with compassion from the depths of his being For this one who was lost but has returned. Who was literally dead to him but is now alive. And it is cause for incredible celebration and joy. Real stuff now, people. I told Evelyn and a couple of people last night at 6 o'clock when I was asked, so what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, I have absolutely no idea, but I trust that God will give it to me between now and then. So before I went to bed last night, I'm reading the scripture and praying and asking the Lord what he would have. And he points to this and I'm like, I don't want to read. Oh God, I hate the prodigal story because how can you ever talk about anything that hasn't already been said seven million times in the last 2000 years? Okay, if that's what you want, I'll preach it. Okay, and I went to bed. I got up this morning and it wouldn't leave. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've been up since, 
Well, I started at 3.30, but then I went back to bed for a little bit. So I've been probably about four hours in this. So I can't say I've been thinking about this all week. I've been doing it for about four hours. But let me tell you something that God did in those four hours. And this is hard. But one of the things I'm called to be is authentic and genuine before my people. Because if I put on a mask, then you learn how to put on a mask. So I have to be real before you so that you can learn how to be real. Okay? Nearly 40 years ago. 40 years ago. A human being who lived on the earth caused great harm to my family. They were selfish, they were mean-spirited, they were unkind, they were ugly, and they literally destroyed. And they brought confusion, and they brought heartache, and it didn't get resolved for the better part of almost 20 years. And at one point in my life, I'm trying very hard to not give details that identify who I'm talking about. At one point in my life, this person in a religious setting gives glory to God because over the last month or so, God has truly gotten a hold of their life. And God has convicted them and convinced them of their sin. And they are now walking a right path with God. And they have testified that God, the Holy Spirit, has sanctified them wholly. And they are trying to live a holy and righteous life before God. And God is blessing them. They have been brought to places of authority within their church. They have been raised up as honorable leaders within the Christian community. And they never once came to me and said they were sorry. Now, did they ever go to the other members of my house and say they were sorry? I don't know. That was never discussed with me over the last 40 years. But for sure, they never apologized to me for the harm that they caused to the ones that I love. And now they're my brother in Christ. I don't like those words, God. And this is this morning, folks. I'm a pastor. I've been a Christian for almost 50 years. I've been saved and sanctified holy by the Holy Spirit of God for a better part of 35 years. And God literally said to me this morning, what if they have a place at the table closer to me than you? When you get up here. What if they have a place at the table closer to me than the one that they harmed? How do you deal with that, Bob? 
And I will be honest with you people. All of the anger from 40 years ago came to the surface because apparently I had a cyst deep down in my soul that had never been healed. And God took a, a, a scalpel and lanced that boil, that cyst, and allowed some of the poison to come out. Forty years. I thought I was good in that area. Truly. And I was like, God, I had no idea that was still in there. And he said, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> that's why you get to preach the prodigal son, because you're still the elder son in this area. And you need to get it right, because the reality is eternity is a long time, Bob. And you've got to have this straight before you get up here, because they're going to be here. And if you walk into the room and they welcome you and you go, I don't want to have anything to do with you, then you don't belong here, Bob. Hmm. <laughs> Ouch. And have you ever, ever, ever had a boiler assist? Do you know what it's like to have somebody express poison out of you? It is not a pleasant thing. It is a painful thing. And I am still very tender at this moment. But the healing has started. And so I need to encourage you this morning. Number one, if you're the prodigal and you're not in right relationship with God, you need to get back with God. You need to get on your face before him and say, I am sorry for everything I've said or done that has caused you harm. And I am sorry that I am no longer worthy to be called your son or your daughter. Would you please at least welcome me into your household so I can have some protection and covering. And then let God deal with you however God chooses to deal with you. And I guarantee you he'll welcome you as a child. Put a robe on you. Put a ring on you. Put shoes on your feet. And you will be given esteem and honor. And hopefully, your spiritual siblings will be thrilled. And there will be great rejoicing, not only in heaven, but on the earth. The challenge comes for those of us who are holy and righteous. Are you interested in really seeing that person get saved? And if they get saved and then God raises them up and honors them, are you happy with that, about that? Because, mm, but God, you don't understand what they did to me. And God's like, and look what they did to me. If I can forgive them, you can forgive them. If I can welcome them, you can welcome them. If I can honor them, you can honor them. Can't you? If you can't, we have a conversation that needs to take place. Uh. <laughs> There's a video for those of you who are connected to the internet throughout your day. There's a video of a little girl sitting in a car seat in her car trying to connect her seatbelt. And her daddy from the front seat says, can I help you? You worry about your own self. You drive. I do this. <laughs> you need to see it. It's hilarious. You worry about your own self. 
I need, well, I did already. I confessed it. I need to make sure that the poison drains completely out. I need to make sure that I take whatever antibiotic God gives me. I need to make sure that I continually confess when anything comes up related to that. Because apparently it is still there. I didn't know it was. I truly didn't. I thought it was dead and gone a long time ago. But apparently it's not. Because like I said, when God brought it to mind this morning, I was like, oh yeah. But I didn't. And he's like, no, 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 let's talk about this. Like, no, nah, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, let's talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Let's talk about this. It's like the father out in the yard with the son. Come on in. Come. On. I can't go in. I'm not going in. All these years I've served you and you're blessing them. I don't want to point any fingers, so I'm not going to. But just think about it. I was going to say to you, who is the one person in your life that you hope you never have to see once you get to heaven? That's the one who'll be living next door to you. That's the one you'll have to sit across the table from. And you better make it right now. And if you can't make it right, then you need to pray and ask God to help you to make it right. Because he's going to hold your feet to the fire. Because if you're a Christian, <laughs> if you are truly a little Christ, then you are called to love. Regardless of how much garbage they've thrown into your world. No matter how much they have. I won't use the words, but you know what I'm talking about. Been unkind, mean-spirited, vomited all over you. Trashed your world. Destroyed you. You have to forgive them. And you have got to do it today. Because I just put it into your brain because the Holy Spirit told me to do so. Ha ha. <laughs> so now if you ignore it, you're in rebellion against the Holy Spirit. Ha ha. Anyways. Let's pray. Father, I don't like your words. I really don't. Not today. But I know that they are, they are for healing. And I know that they are to bring righteousness and holiness and purity into an area where there was death and darkness and poison. And so I praise you that you are bringing about healing in my life. And Father, if there's anyone sitting within the sound of my voice who is under conviction from your Holy Spirit at this moment, I pray, God, that you would allow them, that, or that you would help them to allow you to lance open that boil. And to express that poison so that they can find the same freedom and healing that I'm finding right now. I give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.